Hello, my name is Gavin Bennett. Welcome to the Bridgetown Daily for Wednesday, May 20th. In what sounds at the beginning like a biblical version of a Dr. Seuss book, the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Rome, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Gosh, while Paul didn't necessarily have the words for compulsive behavior, the language he uses here masterfully describes the ache and frustration that many of us are feeling as we're caught up in some cycle of behavior that we can't seem to will ourselves to stop. Classic examples relate to sexuality, like pornography or masturbation, but also include things like food, exercise, rigid scheduling, binging TV shows or movies, social media. You get the idea. A really helpful way of thinking about compulsions is like an appetite. First, our compulsions focus on getting more and getting that more in variety. But also, you can't starve an appetite. You have to feed it something even if that something isn't necessarily what it seems to want. But more on this in a bit. What we find in the scientific literature is that compulsive behavior is not a lack of self-control, it's a form of self-soothing. Based on a lot of conversations that I've been having recently, many of us are finding ourselves in this season doing certain things compulsively and end up thinking afterwards, what was I thinking? Or at the very least, yeah, that wasn't really what I needed or wanted to do. We choose these behaviors mostly unconsciously, not because we're lazy or not trying, and certainly not for lack of want to avoid them, but because we're in pain and our body, our mind, and our soul are trying to find relief and release. It's closely related to our fight, flight, or freeze mechanisms. We are trying to find something mood stabilizing, which is why alcohol and screen time are the two most used compulsive behaviors right now. They are really rapid mood-stabilizing agents. In this season, most of us are not relapsing into old habits or growing new bad habits because we're lazy. We are having a trauma response. And while some suggest that our society may tend to overuse that concept, most therapists believe that's actually exactly what's happening in our current moment. It's a response to the fact that most of our connections, especially if you're living alone, have been severed, our jobs have changed, our social life has collapsed, and our ability to go or do whatever we want, whenever we want, has been halted. And all this without our choice, but at the hands of what my therapist calls the biological bomb of the coronavirus. The scientific literature goes on and says that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, it's community. Why? Because addiction and community are trying to do the same thing. Both are forms of self-soothing. Addiction is a form of medicating pain, anger, sadness, loneliness, shame, etc., where good community is a way of pressing into those things. So what happens when in-person community isn't really an option right now? Well, many go for the shortcut option of compulsive behavior. My hope is that this reality reminds you, as it has reminded me, that we are not crazy. We are having a normal response to an abnormal situation an understandable reaction to an incomprehensible reality. So what do we do? 
Well, rather than bifurcating our options into heaving on more willpower or just trying to stop or conceding to this new reality and not caring anymore, the way of Jesus in times like this presents us with another choice, a third way, the way of listening to our compulsions. Think about children. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but they have this tendency to repeat themselves a lot. But more than just an annoying habit, this repetition is actually a form of communication. When they repeat themselves, they are saying that they don't feel heard. I'm wondering if the same is true for our compulsions as well. What if they repeat themselves because we aren't listening to them? And if I don't listen to my compulsions, which takes time and practice, like hungry children, they will feed themselves, and it's usually never what we want them to eat. Instead, I'm learning to pause long enough to hear my compulsions, to take the time to understand them, and then to figure out an appropriate response. As we take time to pay attention to what our compulsions are craving, they begin to lose some of the power they hold over us. Over time, and with patience, we can learn to be less surprised by them. They don't surface out of the blue. We get to learn to listen. And Jesus was the master listener. We read in the Gospels that he often went off to be alone and to pray. And I wonder if this was less of a legalistic schedule that he kept to appear holy and more of his own listening to what was happening below his surface. Maybe he was so good at paying attention to his interior world that he could feel the compulsions rising. If I can read some of my own compulsions onto Jesus, I wonder if he didn't step away as he found himself thinking that he was just on the verge of fixing everything and just needed a little bit more time to make it all work and finish everything. Or perhaps he was on the verge of a wrathful tirade down on the 12 teenagers uh, who called him rabbi, or maybe he was just super discouraged. Either way, he often went away. We can see how well Jesus was able to listen to himself when we consider how beautifully he listened to those around him. He was constantly picking up true motives and underlying meaning and refused to get caught up in emotional manipulations, but he went slowly and he really listened. Now, far from yielding to our behavior, this third way teaches us to yield to Jesus. It's an opportunity to know ourselves in new ways and to practice listening to our inner world. But Again, as we will keep saying, this is not the opportunity that God gives us in the coronavirus, but in spite of the coronavirus. This is not God's best intention for his people. This isn't the God-given loneliness that drives us closer together and to God. This is the loneliness that comes from the trauma of connection being broken. This is the loneliness that reveals to us the illusion of our control, the illusion of our robustness. Foundational to this third way is the reality that I can't just get rid of my need for self-soothing. Remember, you can't starve an appetite. You have to feed it. So rather than just trying harder to ignore my compulsions, I take time to listen to them and then to redirect their potential energy into what one therapist I love calls generative forms of self-soothing. Forms of self-soothing that are reformational and not deformational. Ones that give to us and don't take from us. Now, I wish I had a list that I could start reading right now that says, if your compulsion is this, try this instead. But it just doesn't work like that. Too many people make too much money oversimplifying our complex inner worlds into some reductionistic formula. But the reality is that we all need different things, especially in times of trauma. 
But the science literature surrounding addiction suggests that these generative forms of self-soothing do have some things in common. For example, reducing access to the things that we find ourselves compulsively choosing. This could look like parenting your phone or changing your Instagram or Facebook passwords or not keeping alcohol in your house during this time. Or building structure, having a morning routine, uh, or rituals throughout the day that keep you moving forward. Or incarnate community, people who are journeying with you through these things. Or introspection, keeping track of when you're sad, or hungry, or angry, or lonely, or tired. And the list goes on. And learning all of this takes time, and it takes patience. You and I are not going to have it figured out tomorrow. And to be honest, I probably won't even have it figured out by the end of quarantine. But we will get closer. To close, I don't know when quarantine or social distancing will finally end. Uh, so I would be remiss to say something like, it's almost over, or we're getting so close. We might be, but to say so might be to give false hope. Instead, I want to encourage you with Jesus's words when he says in Matthew, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. And then he has this funny line, each day has enough trouble of its own. We're experiencing that right now. Jesus was so rooted in the present that he was able to see the future with hope because he was not looking to tomorrow or the next day, but to the coming kingdom of God, which would bring the end of evil and disease and sadness and anxiety and loneliness. So back to Paul's exploration of the inconsistencies that he found in himself that I read at the beginning. He is not left in that space of defeat. He is not without hope and neither are we. Listen to his conclusion. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. As Jesus fought to stay present and to keep his eyes fixed on the coming kingdom, he is fighting right now on our behalf with us that we might be able to do the same. So let's do that right now. Take a few seconds and breathe deeply. And as you do, let the Spirit bring your attention to the areas of your life in which you have been self-soothing through compulsive behavior. And watch as he does it, that he will not do it with condemnation or anger, but with gentleness and love. And as those things come to mind, invite the Spirit to teach you the more generative forms of self-soothing, the things which cultivate beauty and rest and union with him. May you walk the path of Jesus by taking each day as it comes, one at a time. And in doing this, may you go slowly, be exceedingly gentle with yourself, and look for the goodness which marks the coming of God's kingdom. Much grace and deep peace, friends. <laughs>